Well, Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you this morning. And for those of you at home, online, it's so good uh, to be with you as well. And welcome to the service uh, this morning. I wanted to share uh, some statistics with you and actually play a game. There's a company called Statistic Brain. And what they have done is they have tracked over the past decades the most must-have Christmas toys of the season over the decades. And so here's a little trivia, and let's play a little game, see if you can remember what some of these are. So 1983, maybe some of you weren't born yet, but in 1983, do you have any idea what the must-have toy was of the year? The Yeah, close. The Cabbage Patch doll. Cabbage Patch, must-have must toy of the year. And then in 85, it was the Pound Puppy. In 89, it was a new Game Boy. 1995, think 1995, must-have toy of the year. you have any idea? Elmo's Close. Beanie Baby's the right answer. Beanie Baby's 85. Tickle Me Elmo. Tickle Me Elmo, or excuse me, 96 uh, was Tickle Me Elmo. 2002 was the new iPod. 2006 uh, was also the uh, Wii. And then Kindle was 2010. And then for all you parents, 2015, the must-have toy of the year. What was it, parents? What's that? Oh, phone. Yeah, that's actually, that's probably more true. But the must-have toy that you just couldn't get, that you couldn't get, let it go, let it go. The Elsa sing-along doll from Frozen. The only thing we were letting go was all of our money on that one. It was very expensive. And what is the gift of this year? Must-have. PS5. You just can't get it. They're saying it's going to be another year until you can even get one. That's the must-have gift of the year. But I would argue that the must-have and the greatest gift of all time is the gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. Emmanuel. God with us. You don't have to have lots of money. You don't have to fight over them. It's a gift that is free. It's a gift that is given for everyone. The gift of salvation, the gift of new life, the gift of belonging into the family. You are a child of God when you receive the gift. The gift that gives you joy and hope and meaning and value is the gift of Jesus Christ. It's the only gift that can give you real hope. It's the best gift ever because he is indeed the savior of the world he is the Prince of Peace. Let's pray this morning as we, as we learn the angel song and what it was all about. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you gave your son, your one and only son, that you sent him, that you became God in the flesh to not only be born uh, in the manger, but to grow up and to die on the cross for our sin and to rise again, conquering sin and death.
and that you offer the gift of salvation to each and every one who would believe upon you. That is the best gift ever. And so I pray this morning that you will work in our hearts, that we will receive your gift, that we will receive your hope and joy and life, that we will know you more this morning as we, as we look at the, the passage in, in Luke about the angel's song. Father, the wonder, we're overwhelmed by your love. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Well, as we look at the angel song this morning in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, I want us to, to look specifically at, at what it was like for uh, the shepherds and for the angels and for those who heard the good news. What was it like for the shepherds that evening when the angels showed up? I'll read the scripture again. There were shepherds living in the fields nearby, and they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and I don't want you to miss this. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Every time an angel of the Lord shows up, what happens? People are terrified. It must have been just awesome. It must have been brilliant light. It must have been just power. This angel that appears every time people are scared. And what's always the statement the angel makes? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I love that about our Lord. All around the world, people worship gods. And they live in fear of them. Fear that they're going to be punished and destroyed. But that's not who our God is. Our God says, draw near. I've drawn near to you. Our God says, come into my arms. Let me wrap you up with my love. You don't need to live in fear. Draw near. Come into relationship with me. That's our God. And it's so beautiful for the shepherds. What must have it been like? Here's the word from the angel of the Lord. I bring you, shepherds, I bring you good news. That's what we call the gospel. The gospel means good news. Here it is. Let me tell you the story. And it will bring you, shepherds, and the whole world great joy. Not a fleeting happiness, but a deep inner joy. This is the good news. And you cannot miss this. It is for, who's it for? All people. And in the original language, do you know what that means? It means all people, everyone. There's nobody excluded from this gift that is being offered. The invitation to receive this gift goes to everybody. 
Nobody will miss out on the opportunity to receive this gift. This is good news. It's for all people, even you shepherds who are out in the field. How must have that felt for the shepherds? They were the unlovely ones. They were the outcast. Bottom of the social structure. They really were men who had no other options for work. I can't do anything else. I guess I have to be a shepherd. Nobody grew up as a little boy going, oh, I can't wait to be a shepherd. They were unclean. They truly were considered the Grinch. Remember the, some of the words for the Grinch? You nauseate me, Mr. Grinch. With a nauseous super nos. You have a, you're a foul one, Mr. Grinch. You're a nasty, wasty skunk. Your heart is full of unwashed socks. Your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch. Three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, are you ready? Stink, stank, stunk. That's how the shepherds were viewed. Stay away from us. Stay up in your cave. You're unwanted. You're hated. Can you imagine your whole life knowing that you're hated by your whole community? What must have it been like? I can imagine when the angel of the Lord showed up and the angels started singing, the shepherds must have said, well, wait a second. You're saying to us? Really? When you were coming down from heaven, you must have taken a wrong turn. The wealthy people are over here. The people of influence, they're over there. Let me tell you how to get there. I'm sure it's not for us. Don't you know who we are? What must have it been like as they were enveloped in the glory of God? Think about that for a minute. The glory of God shone around them to these people who were hated and not wanted. What must have that felt like for them? I think they must have felt God's amazing love. I think they must have felt value. I think they must have felt acceptance. That's what God always speaks. And he speaks it to you today. You are of such value to me. You are of such value to me. So much love do I have for you that I bring you great news, good news of great joy. A Savior has been born today for you. The angels proclaim this. And as the angel of the Lord proclaims it, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all these angels show up and they start singing this first Christmas carol that we have. You ever wonder how many angels were actually there? How many showed up? I can imagine the shepherds trying to, to count, and they're like one, and the, okay, 2,300, and there's like, ah, it's enough of that. It's a throng of angels. It's a host of angels. 
what the scriptures really mean by that. You can't even count how many angels were there. What an incredible moment. The angels showed up to the shepherds in the field and loved them with the glory of God shone around them. Again, that verse 9, the glory of the Lord shone around them. My friend Steve commented on this. I thought it was really good. He said, do you understand? What's happening here is that heaven really did come to earth. Heaven touched earth. For real. Heaven came down. Not just God in the flesh. Heaven came down to the shepherds. They experienced heaven opening up. They got to see the throng of angels. They got to be enwrapped with the glory of God. Heaven came down. They experienced his glory. Wow. Jesus, that babe in a manger, not just some thought or some concept that you're trying to grasp, but The truth, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is for real. It's more real than anything else that's going on. You need to know. And angels, as they shone down upon and sung upon the shepherds, oh my God, this kingdom is for real. Not just some theory. Not just some warm, fuzzy time to celebrate Christmas. No, kingdom of God, heaven has touched earth. And then we now, as we receive the gift, we now live in this very real kingdom. That's the kingdom of the Lord. And we serve our Lord, living in his kingdom. And we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This very real kingdom. At that moment in time, upon the shepherds, heaven was revealed upon earth to them. Amen to that. And they were enveloped in that glory of God. And I believe they received the good news as the angels proclaim it. And they must go meet their Savior that is being spoken about. Listen to the scriptures. Look how this impacted their hearts, this good news. And so they hurried. Just even the verb tense of that. Quickly they went and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning all that had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in their heart, in her heart. And the shepherds returned. They went back to their fields. They went back to their community. And here's what they did. They were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and all the things that they had heard. They rejoiced and praised God. Everything they had been told, they were impacted by the gospel, by the good news that was presented to them. Changed them forever. Dear saints, 
This is why we share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know there's going to be many who reject it. But guess what? There's going to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands who will receive the good news and their lives will be changed forever. Don't keep it to yourself. Proclaim all that God has done in your life so the people have the opportunity to hear this good news and become children of God saved. Knowing the hope they have, they will be in the glory of God. Oh, it's such good news for the shepherds. You want to know why? Because they were living the bad news. And you and I are as well. Here's the bad news. We are stuck in our sin. We can't get ourselves out of sin. And the consequence of sin is spiritual death. And we in and of ourselves cannot get ourselves out of that. That's living the bad news. And the shepherds were. And many of us were. And so then comes the good news. Guess what? There's a Savior. He's been coming and He's born to you this day. He's the good news. He will save you as you receive the gift of salvation. As you receive Him as Lord and Savior. As you ask Him to into your heart and say, yes, Jesus, I need to be saved. And then you're transformed forever. And then hopefully, like the shepherds, we can't shut up about it. We must give praise and glory because he's changed us. He's given us new life. Saved life. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heaven came down proclaiming the good news. And I believe the shepherds received that beautiful gift. Will you do that? For those of you who've never received the gift, will you receive the gift? It's free. And Jesus says here, receive my love. Receive my forgiveness. Let me invade your heart and be Lord of your life. Will you receive the gift? The shepherds did and kept praising God. Did you ever think what this moment must have been like for the angels? For the angels. What was this like for them to all of a sudden experience this encounter with earth? And with these shepherds, what was it like? The angels, too, were created beings, were they not? God created them. Jesus created them in heaven in eternity. What was angel life like before this moment where God came in the flesh, Jesus? The Bible reminds us that all things were created by the Word, They were created by him, and they were created for him. The angels, these created beings, beautiful angels, were created for Christ. You can only imagine, like, the very first moment of angel consciousness, like waking up as an angel after you've been created. What was it like for them? 
they were, I believe, aware of the presence and the glory of the Son who created them. That's what angel life is like. Isaiah 6 gives us this wonderful image into heaven. And it says the seraphim were flying above and they were yelling to one another across the way and they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who sits enthroned. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God, Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy. Giving praise to God in heaven. That's what angel life was like. He was the very center of their adoration. The very center. These beautiful created beings, the angels, they're not omniscient. They don't know all things like God does. And so you must have you must have seen them as, as ones who were anticipating what God was going to do, excited. What is God doing? He's, he's come down in the flesh. How is this all going to work out? They didn't know the ultimate plans of the Lord and, and every step that he was going to take towards that. How would he work out salvation? How would he restore all things? In 1 Peter 1.12, it says this in regards to salvation. Even the angels, even the angels long to look into these things. They want to understand and know what God is doing with humanity. And you can only imagine on that Christmas morn, and as the angels were singing, my goodness, can't wait to see what God's going to do in all of this. And how this is going to play out. Here's what the angels did know. They knew that God is love. That God loves his creation. That he loves each and every one of us. They knew that. They knew that God was going to restore all things. And he was in the process of that here on earth. And ultimately one day when he comes back... It'll be restored in all of its fullness. And the big thing they knew is that God is good. God is good. He's going to do some incredible things here. I can't wait, I can imagine the angels. How is it going to happen? And singing and rejoicing because of who this baby is, God in the flesh, as you people Respond to the love of God, to the light. It can do nothing but stir your heart, and you can do nothing but sing praise and give glory unto God. Oh, if you would just grasp his love for you, you must sing. You must sing. This song flies in the face of Rome and of Caesar Augustus, who was the Caesar at the time. You see, Caesar Augustus would set up big birthday parties for himself, and he would demand that you would cry out to him, you're the Lord. 
Caesar would demand that you would cry out, you're the savior of Rome. That's who Caesar believed he was. But the angels know much better, don't they? The angels know who the real Lord is, who the true king is, and it's not Caesar Augustus. It's Jesus. And this beautiful song that they sang, all glory to him. The song, the first Christmas carol, starts out centered on the main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing. It's all about giving praise to Jesus, to God. Our lives should be filled with that as children of God. That we're centering our hearts and our lives on Jesus Christ. Giving Him beautiful praise and singing to Him. And so as the angels sang that night, it was as though they were saying to all the shepherds and human beings, do you realize who has come to you? Do you realize the gift that you have been given? We've been worshiping him in glory of heaven, and now he has taken on flesh so that you can worship him and come into relationship with the living God. Glory to God in the highest. Do you realize the favor that rests upon men here in this place? Glory, glory, glory to God. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace, the Advent candle that we lit this morning. The peace of God rests. Once again, Caesar Augustus, he was proclaimed as the one who brought peace. The Pax Romana, the Roman peace. And you were supposed to give him praise for that. You are the one who brings peace, Caesar. Oh, no, no, no. There was real peace that came to earth that Christmas morn. It was the peace of the Lord. You know, it's hard for us oftentimes to come by, to, to come by really having peace, rest in our souls, just peace for the moment. A.W. Tozer says this. He says, Christ came to bring peace... And we celebrate his coming by making peace impossible for six weeks of each year. How's your Christmas season going? It's hard to come by peace. But the Lord pours it out upon us. Peace means different things for different people. What's peace like for a soldier? What does peace look like for the mother of a colicky child? What does peace look like for a child whose parents are always fighting? What does peace look like for you? Peace has come upon. For most of us, we think peace usually means the end of something. It's typically temporary You've probably found that this Christmas season. You'll, you'll get up in the morning and, and maybe you'll read a wonderful 
uh, Christmas devotional, Advent devotional. And then you hop in your car to, to go to the mall to do Christmas shopping. And next thing you know, that peace you had in the morning is gone, temporary. And I'm not even the one who does the shopping. My wife does all the shopping. I'm stressed out about it. We lose our peace. What are the angels singing about? What are they singing about, this peace that's come? I think they're singing about the Messiah who brings this personal and permanent peace in our souls. It's peace between us, self-absorbed, willful, sinful people like you and me. It's peace between us and holy God. When we come into relationship with him, when we receive the gift of salvation that he gives us, we are at peace in our soul. His favor rests upon us. Those of whom his favor rests are those who embrace this truth of the good news. His favor rests on those who receive the gift of the Son, Jesus. For the ancient Hebrews, peace was all-encompassing. It meant not only an inner peace, a spiritual peace, but it was wholeness or complete. This is the peace And it was to be peace throughout all of creation. Peace that was to to mend that which was broken, to set things right. That's how the Hebrews understood peace. A restoration of all things. It meant that we would actually start to love one another with peace, shalom. And this shalom would flow deep and broad in our lives. Here's what Romans 12, 18 says. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, do you know the rest of this? Live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so I think what happens is when we come and we arrive at a place where we are at peace with God, we are in right relationship, restored relationship with God, when we have received salvation from Him and we've made Him our Lord and Savior, we are at peace in our soul spiritually. And we're at peace with ourselves. Then what happens is the power of the Holy Spirit moves through us. And what happens from our right relationship with God, being at peace with God, then we pour that out upon one another. That we bring shalom and healing to relationships that we step into things, we actually can love our enemy. You only make peace with those who are your enemies, right? We make peace. And that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength. And we can do that because we're in right relationship with God. We're at peace with Him. And it flows out. Remember the greatest commandment? I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And like it, of the same weight, and love your neighbor. What's that look like for you this Christmas season? Are you asking the Lord, Lord, 
Help me to know how to bring your peace to this broken world, to those who are oppressed and hurting and lost. Father, lead me. I know you prepare good works in advance for me to step into to bring your peace. So reveal that to me. Prompt me through your Holy Spirit. Maybe this particular homeless person on the street you want me to enter in with. What's the Lord asking you to step into to bring his peace? And so that people may know the ultimate peace of God and come into relationship with him. God is saying, this is the good news. Glorify him. He has come to bring peace and it is his favor upon mankind. And this peace will affect our past, it will affect right now, and it will affect our future. Listen to what the scriptures say, Psalm 103, how peace will affect our past. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, listen to this, so far has he removed our transgressions, our sins from us. Today, a Savior has been born. He's not going to stay a babe in a manger. He's going to die on the cross for your sin. And guess what he's going to do? He is going to take away all of that. He's going to take the weight. He's going to pay the price. Our past that is just full of muck and sin, he frees us from that. And look what else he does. Isaiah 118. Come now, let us settle this matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, red, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Isn't that beautiful, what the Lord does with us from our past? He washes that. He cleanses that. And now we walk with him in new life, restored, forgiven our sin. That's how that gives us peace. Wow, Father, I'm not held enslaved to that sin anymore. And I know you don't sit here and go, how dare you keep doing that over and over again, you awful person. No, he says, child of God, let me wash you. And walk with me. Let me lead you. That's peace. The slate is wiped clean. All things are made new. Our God is a God of second chances and new beginnings. Amen to that? Amen. Peace in the present. Jesus grew up, and he says in John 14, All this I have spoken while I was with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send... Uh, In my name, he's going to teach you all things and he will remind you of everything that I've said to you. And Jesus says this, and listen to this and receive it. Peace, I leave with you, my child. My peace, I give you. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
See, the world, the peace that the world gives says, well, there's peace in financial security. There's peace in, in all my insurance that I got for the just-in-cases that happen. I have peace in that. Or we think that peace is, is a life without trouble or absence of pain. J. Oswald Sanders says this, Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. It's not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. Here's the truth. We can have this beautiful peace with the Lord because we know He walks with us. He's not distant. He's not far off. He's not uncaring. He cares exactly what's going on right now. His peace He leaves with us. That's His promise. Sometimes we forget. These are promises of the Lord. Can the Lord break His promise? No. Receive His peace. In the middle of this year, especially, right, of 2020, it's so upside down and so crazy, and we're struggling so much in this year. And He says, I know that. I know it seems out of control, but I'm a God who's not out of control. I'm a God who has all this in my hand. I know exactly what's going on. And so my peace I leave with you. Will you receive his peace? It starts first with relationship with the living God. Receive his peace. And then we have peace for the future. The angel's song gives us peace. Do you now believe, John 16, Jesus replied, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. Guess what? In this world, you will have trouble. 2020. But take heart. I have overcome 2020, and I'm going to lead you through this. Our trouble is we want peace without the prince. We want peace without the prince of peace, and you can't have it. But you can have the gift. Receive it. And receive real peace. He will restore all things. It has not come to completion yet, but one day he will return. King of kings and Lord of lords, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Right? That baby in a manger is not just a baby. He is the king. And this kingdom that we live for is very real and present now. Let's go proclaim it like the shepherds. And I hope we will live like the shepherds. That we will receive and respond like the shepherds did when we encounter the glory of God. I pray that we will be ones that are overwhelmed by his love. I hope that you'll have some moments this season where you just stop, where you just if you just be still and know that he is God, and would you allow some time where you'll just let him pour out his love upon you? Pour out his peace upon you? 
Stop trying to fix everything in your own strength. Because He is the Prince of Peace. And as we receive that, as we're enveloped in His glory and His love, that we would proclaim the good news like the shepherds. They couldn't shut up about it. They told everybody about what they had seen and what they had heard, and they went on proclaiming it. Are you familiar with re-gifting? Some of you are re-gifters in this room. I know that because I've gotten the re-gift. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. Christmas, Christmas is a season of re-gifting. And it's the only time where it's good to re-gift. Christmas is a season of re-gifting. What happens is, is we receive the gift of salvation, of peace in Christ Jesus. And like the shepherds, we re-gift it. We want you now to have this gift. We want you to know about this gift that's here. And so we should become a people who are re-gifters and tell the good news of Jesus Christ, glorifying him. This child is the gift Let us rejoice. Let us give praise. He is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the Prince of Peace. You are the beautiful gift that has been given to each of us This good news, Father, thank you that it's for all people, for me, wretched sinner in need of a Savior. And Father, help us to be a people that proclaim the good news. Stir us through your Holy Spirit to speak forth the beautiful gift that you are. Salvation has come. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.